Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Daffy's Roundtable. In today's episode, our guest is joining us all the way from Germany to talk about some of the coolest inverts that I personally have never heard of. My guest for today is Hannes from the Arthur podcast, and we talk all about his collection and all about true spiders and breeding them. Did you know that huntsmen are a type of true spider? I didn't. We talk about uh, scorpions, and specifically, I'm going to butcher this, Euroscorpionas or European scorpions, um, and his experience working with them, his experience IDing them for the museum, and just breeding them in general. This is a super fascinating episode. I could not stop asking questions the entire time. Um, I think you all are really going to enjoy it. But before we do that, allow me to thank Exoterra for sponsoring this podcast and making this episode possible. Exoterra makes quality products for our pet reptiles to make them feel at home. Okay, without further ado, everybody, please help me welcome Hannes. Hannes, hello. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Joining us all the way from Germany. This is absolutely awesome. I'm super excited for today's episode. And uh, yeah, as we said, we were saying before the episode, we've, we've chatted quite a bit on Instagram. We've never actually spoken face to face. So I'm excited to, to, to finally do this. And before we get, and, and just so everyone knows, this is an invert episode. We will be speaking largely about scorpions, which is why I have the scorpion hat on. <laughs> um, but before we do that, let's, and before we dive into your story, let's quickly talk about um, the hobby in Germany. Um, so we were actually just briefly talking, you're near the ham uh, expo, the, yes. the reptile expo. Um, have you ever been to, to, to that? Yes, of course. I think the, the first time was when I was around... 11 or 12 and um, awesome. i've been to expos uh, before that so when i was i think my first expo was when i was six or seven years old um in my hometown which is like 20 minutes away from ham and it was a lot smaller and um, the first time i went there um, i was completely yeah blown out of my mind uh, because of the animals that yes. i've seen there um, in Ham, you can get everything. You see animals that you only know from books that you read about. And um, for example, I think the the coolest thing I saw there when I was there first, and when yeah, ten years ago, around ten years ago, um, there was an earless monitor. I think from Borneo was awesome. common name. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And stuff like that you don't see at your local pet store. And as a kid, I was completely blown away because my father and I went there. And um, after three and a half hours, we just saw half of the building. And it it's was that big. Yeah, it's that big. It's wow. it's the biggest show in the world, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. Like in terms of like, I guess, I don't know if you can even make it, if this question even makes sense. But like in terms of halls, is it like multiple giant halls? And is it separated um, by species or is it just sort of different vendors everywhere? No, no, it's it's everything in, um, I think, uh, at least three halls. And the, the, the main hall is, it's really big. I, um, I don't have, have any good comparison, but no, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. maybe like, um, what, what sports do you play in, in Canada? I was like going to say like bigger or... than a basketball court <laughs> or of like course, something. Course, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, okay. I think even bigger than than a football court, not like the the soccer football. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The main hall is really big, and then there's um, an extra room for venomous snakes. So this this room is like um, you can't go in there if you are under eighteen, and there are wow. um, yeah, some some medical uh, service people standing in front of the room, and they can check IDs uh, if you enter, but they never did it to me. Okay. And uh, there are 
in the venomous snakes. Um, I don't know why the scorpions are not in this room because there are there are some venomous scorpions too. But there's an extra room for venomous snakes, and everything else is just like mixed in together in the big hall. Okay. And then there's another, um, yeah, not really a hall, but it's more like a, a big tent, uh, kind of half outside, half inside. And this is just for for feeders. There's this like, wow. yeah, it's it's I don't know medium sized room just for feeder supplies and, and cork and stuff like that. Oh man, I have even more questions now. Okay, so that was actually one of the questions I was gonna ask you is if the if if like including in that there was inverse, there is tarantula, scorpions, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I guess you sort of already answered it. Feeders wise, uh, we're very limited over here. I guess what what kind of feed like other than like crickets, superworms, uh, mealworms. We're completely going off topic here, but this is, <laughs> this is just so interesting. Um, what kind of stuff do you guys have? Um, three kinds of, or at least three three species of crickets. Um, I don't know the the English common names. Um, okay. House crickets, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These house crickets, and then um, one with spots on the on the pronotum. So uh, after the head, they they have two two spots, and yeah. then one I think Mediterranean crickets. They the the big black ones. So at least three species of crickets. Um, yeah, a ton of roaches. I'm I'm not a big fan of feeding roaches. Uh, we can talk about that later. Why? Yeah. But um, the, the normal dubias, the, the red runners, um, and a ton of different other roach species because the roach hobby is a thing here too. So there are many people okay. eating roaches for fun. And um, yeah, in my opinion, this this is more like the, the feeder stuff. I There are some cool roach species. I kept the Pseudoglomerus magnifica ones, the emerald green roaches. They, they look really beautiful and they are day active and they would be too expensive to use as feeders, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm driving off topic here, but um, <laughs> yeah, some several kinds of roach, uh, roaches, uh, superworms, mealworms, um, two species of locusts, the same you get over in Canada, I ex expect. I don't um, know, we don't get those at all, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of uh, pest problems that might occur or why? I, I, yeah, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of different uh, bylaws, and I think that's the the biggest thing is like they're worried about like the agriculture, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay. But I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too sure on why, on why either, to be honest. But yeah, it's fascinating. Like we don't, we don't have, we have one species of roach that's legal. Oh, okay. um, uh, I think it's just the house and the banded crickets that we have, and then it's like superworms, mealworms, silkworms, whatever. And, but yeah, um, we also got um, yeah a lot of small uh, stuff because of the whole. Dart, uh, dart frog community here in Germany, um, like two species. I, I assume you get them too. The two species of uh, Drosophila. The yes, fly. that's the only um, thing we have, pretty much. Yeah. Um, then uh, different species of springtails. Oh, a whole yeah. lot of different isopod species, but you get them too. I suspect. Yeah. For and sure. um, there are some some insects. I even don't know the the what what they belong to. I think they are really really small beetles. Um, okay. I think bean beetles, maybe bean weevils or bean beetles or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, and a few other other stuff that's too too niche to buy in the normal store, but you can get it if you have connections. Right, right. Okay, okay. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so back to the hobby. And by the way, you just mentioned earlier going off topic. Go off topic as much as you want. This is sort okay, of the point okay. of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I go off topic all the time. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah. So um, so then okay. So from terms of the inverts bringing it back to that is 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 it as 
as big of a hobby there as the reptile hobby because if you're 20 minutes away from ham i'm assuming the reptile hobby is quite big over there as well yes the reptile hobby is really big here in germany or in, in central europe in in general i think the um yeah the the biggest hobby countries are um germany poland and um the czech republic awesome. um because I, I don't know why exactly but um if there's a new species doesn't matter if reptile a tarantula scorpion oh, amphibians stuff like that you always see it by a like reader from this this uh, triangle of countries and it appears here um i don't know why but um it seems to to be like a, a good place to live if you enjoy the hobby and yeah. the, the invert hobby it's a lot smaller and a lot younger than um, the reptile hobby because i think the the big wave of starting to to keep uh, spiders and scorpions and stuff started only in the late 80s early 90s and um over the last decade it just got larger and larger and now it's at a point uh i think maybe they they are the same size in like one or two years but it's a bit smaller than the reptile hobby okay yeah that 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 makes sense awesome okay okay so let's let's dive into uh into your story how did you get started in the hobby and uh sort of what what maybe up from there what kind of species are you keeping now well i was always interested in, in animals in general and um especially in, in reptiles and amphibians i don't know why and where that came from many people say that dinosaurs were their first interest but for me it was just like lizards and since i can think it it was there and no one in my family was interested in that before and i really don't know where it came from but i i always was that weird reptile kid yeah and, natural um, fascination absolutely yes yes and i always spent my time um going outdoors turning over rotten logs to look for fire salamanders and newts and toads and stuff like that and um when i was in in second grade i finally talked my parents into getting leopard geckos and nice. um, yeah when you go to to reptile expos or to to pet shops to get feeders you see other other uh, animals you can buy like stick insects or um walking leaves the, the different phasmids mantids stuff like that and then i really got interested in in phasmids uh, so yeah i think you know phasmids right the, the no i was gonna say can maybe break down what are phasmids for i'm i'm okay. very very like i don't know much about inverts i will say that okay, so. phasmids are yeah. um yeah mainly uh stick and and leaf mimicking insects so they cool. they look like uh there are tons of species and I'm not really deep into them anymore. Uh, around the time I was like eight to 10, I was really okay. into fast but not anymore. And they, they look like sticks or leaves and uh, yeah. Are easy yeah, I think we have them. a native species here in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And they feed on, on, um, black, not blackberry. Is it blackberry? Uh, the, yeah, it's, it's a kind of weed that grows at every place here in Germany. So you can feed them really easy and they're easy to keep, easy to yeah. breed. You can handle them. So perfect, uh, yeah, perfect pet for a kid. And by the time I was 10, I was breeding around 10, 15 different species of them just for fun and reading about them and yeah, just enjoying the, the deep dive into a specific topic of animals. And then I got a bit bored because they only, uh, yeah, eight leaves and then i got my first praying mantis when i was 11 12 i think nice. and um yeah i kept some some mantid species uh, but 
not not really the the hard ones or the the rare ones just the common stuff never bred them just just kept them and then i got into beetles <laughs> a few uh, a few years later i got into beetles different kind of flower beetles stack beetles uh, rhino beetles um but nothing too rare too expensive too everything a, a kid could afford to buy and um then when i was i think 14 15 I did an uh, internship at the local zoo here in Dortmund, and it, it was just like a school internship. We had to work somewhere for two weeks, and uh, we could pick the place. And uh, I got lucky and uh, uh, had a place at the zoo. And there was this uh, one guy in the in the break room, and uh, another zookeeper t uh, told him, "Yeah, this this kid, he's as crazy as you. He keeps stuff in terrariums like that." Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, we became friends, and it turned out he was like the the local uh, reptile spider keeper guy in our city, and he he worked at the zoo for twenty five years in the um, in the tropic section with all the reptiles and stuff like that. And yeah, then I visited him in his basement, and he had like hundreds of tarantulas and uh, reticulated python with a whole room as an enclosure and stuff like that. And I was blown wow. away. And, um, yeah, then I got into got my first tarantulas from him, and a week later I had I had five more, and a month later I had twenty, and then I stopped counting. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah you know how it how it rolls. For but, sure. Um, then one day I thought, yeah, tarantulas they are kind of cool, but I want to to get more the in, into the depth of the diversity of spiders, and they are more spiders than tarantulas and then i got my first uh my first couple of species of true spiders and with that i um yeah i, I learned to love them i um ah, how do you say it i i i found my passion in 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 these spiders and, yeah. yeah because i don't know if you know but um you can split spiders in into mugalomorphe and araneomorphe Mygalomorphe, excuse my German pronunciation here, but uh, okay. mygalomorph spiders. You're are, probably pronouncing it way better than than we are. <laughs> mygalomorph spiders are um, ev evolutionary seen more um, old than the true spiders, and okay. mygalomorph spiders are like tarantulas, trapdoor spiders, funnel web spiders, and a whole lot of more species. I can't uh, think of the common name, but Mugalomorph spiders have one um, characteristic, and that is that their chelicera, um, so their their teeth, their fangs, if you will, they um, yeah they work like this, like um, par parallel. Yeah, That's it. yeah, parallel, like parallel. Yeah, and with every other spiders, like true spiders, they are like the much bigger group. Their uh, fangs they work like a like a tongue. They work like like a scissor, like this. Oh, okay, so like almost opposite each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so maybe yeah. not parallel, maybe like simultaneous. Like, to, oh yeah, okay. Both yeah. going in the same direction versus both going towards each other, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. And um, and what is the other one called? Um, uh, you said am um, something. Araneomorphe. Okay, that's the other type. Our neomorph spiders, I think. The true okay. spiders. Okay, true so spiders. Yeah. True spiders and mygalomorph spiders. And um, yeah, then I got into true spiders and especially into the Sparacida. So this is the family of uh, huntsman spiders. Um, cool. You may know there's some some Australian pictures of the really, yes. really big yes. ones. <laughs> or um, 
yeah, there are some other famous species from Southeast Asia, like the Heteropoda David Bowie, named after David Bowie because it's bright orange. And uh, the guy who described it is a huge David Bowie fan. Okay. And, yeah. yeah, and those are the, the kind of spiders that most people in the tarantula hobby um, yeah, are not afraid of, but they say, oh, okay, I really like tarantulas, but this one that gives me the chills and they're moving too fast and the slings, uh, so the babies are too tiny and stuff like that. But yeah, I saw a challenge in that and um, yeah, I don't know, got into keeping and breeding a different species of those. Um, also, uh, the, another family, Ctenide, uh, the wandering spiders. Um, you may have heard of the Brazilian wandering spider, the genus Phonoitria, which is one of the most venomous uh, venomous uh, spiders in the world. And I also kept some, some species of this family. Um, yeah, this was my, my, my turning point in the hobby because then I started breeding stuff and uh, having some rare species I could trade with others. And I was making a lot new, a whole lot of new friends and um, a whole lot of trading other uh, species against each other. So yeah, that's that that passion for true spiders that really uh, helped me to grow in the hobby. That's awesome. And just just really quickly, that's that's what you're talking about. Um, yep the the picture you pulled up is actually moved to a different family now. This is Copinius Gitazi, and back in the day it was uh, in placed in Tenide, but now it's in Trechalide. These are the fishing spiders now. But the other pictures are, are fine. These are yeah, these are for Neutria. Fascinating. They really, yeah, they are really famous for being aggressive and super deadly and stuff like that. But to be honest, I never saw one single threat pose of them. And I kept uh, slings of, I kept and tried to breed uh, for Neutria boliviensis and for Neutria nigriventa when it was still legal here in my state. And I raised them from teeny tiny hatchlings that were half of the size of a fruit fly to adults and never saw a thing uh, and i never saw a thing single threat pose and uh, never was bitten or something like that they are really really chill if you don't disturb disturb them so yeah yeah well that was going to be that was going to be my next question so you said extremely venomous or one of the most venomous spiders and 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 you okay so how do you keep them is it are you keeping them the same as people keep tarantulas are they little like sling enclosures are you do you have to take more precautions because of how venomous they are um, yeah, that's, yeah that's actually a fun story um because um yeah the guy uh, i got them from he's a he's a good friend and i was always um getting the the, the huntsman spiders from him and one day my um dad drove me there because i was uh, 15 at the time or 16 i think no no 16 16 and um yeah, we, we sat on the sofa and I got this Heteropoda lunula from him. These are Malaysian huntsman spiders. And he said, yeah, I got something else for you uh, here. And gave me like six six little sling enclosures with teeny tiny dots in them. And he said, yeah, these are for Neutria. Try them. They are fun. And uh, my dad and I were like, oh, we, are, we were uh, treating these like they were radioactive. And yeah. tell my mom about it for months. And um I had them in a in a box, in a box, in another box. Um, okay. But after they got to a certain size, and after I yeah, gained more knowledge and learned to to read the body language of these uh, of this of this family of spiders, I kept them as uh, yeah as everything else. I mean, okay. the enclosures are pretty pretty um, 
how do we call it a uh, proof so they can't get get yeah, out like escape proof yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like um, the, the door is the glass door is falling down or you keep them in boxes boxes are the the most proof thing for inverts um yeah and i tried to to breed them once um but the the female ate my only male yeah. i'm i'm kind of glad it didn't work out because then i had to separate like thousand of these and yeah yeah so their numbers must be like i know with tarantulas it's hundreds the with with these guys yeah. is it like thousands it's depending on the species even with okay. tarantulas you can have species that have xx with like only 30 or 40 x in it you okay. have species with like 2000 really depending on the species here um in general with uh, huntsman spiders or wander wandering spiders i always had at least three four hundred maybe even 600 700 around around that that number Between awesome okay 300 and 700 i would say let's 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 break that down can you tell us a little bit about breeding like the huntsman spiders is it the same process as tarantulas um or like how how, how do you, how what do you have to do to to kind of make it happen yeah, it's it's more easy than people think um to just kind of you just pair them an adult male and an adult female and uh, the important thing is that uh, the female lives in the enclosure for at least one week i would say um because when when huntsman spiders or spiders in general they when they move around at night um they always have little pieces of uh, of silk um going going out of their their spinnerets and yeah going yeah, up. yeah and these um so they're like almost constantly webbing mm, yeah not every time huntsman spiders do this to um to have like an emergency silk if they have to drop down because a predator comes they don't just fall they they have like this this line of string that keeps them up okay uh, some tarantulas or some funnel web spiders they do it just because they wrap everything up and it's all right in there but huntsman spiders they don't build webs they just roam around and have this little piece of string okay um, yeah behind them and it Hilarious. also have another purpose um when it comes to pairing them up um the this in females the 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 silk is scanned with pheromones um i don't know how scientific scientifically correct is that but uh, yeah it's, it's scanned with something at the males when they notice uh, there's a female in the area because of the 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 pheromones they start drumming and twitching and stuff like that and then the female knows ah okay it's not prey it's a male, it's a male. and yeah. because of that you have to um to keep the female in in an enclosure for at least one or two weeks so the male starts drumming and doesn't get eaten yeah and then you, you throw the male in just watch them in the best case you get the the male out alive in the worst case with which is the case in most of the times when you pair some heteropoda species the male gets eaten um and then yeah you gotta wait until she pulls the egg sack uh, builds the egg sack so cool okay so and you said the male drums so just like tarantulas it kind of walks up to her drums in front of her and then they um yeah it depends I, I on the species. The word is here. yeah uh, it depends on the species they are really cool um yeah behaviors when it comes to that um for example one one genus of um wandering spiders Anculometis, is it called they they can dive and they live on on water in, in the amazon and the males kind of uh, tie up the females they mm, they set them in a kind of trance so the female is like um 
Yeah. She can't move for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, she can't move. She's just yeah. like this. And then the male um, ties her up with, with a silk all over her legs. And when she tries to move again, he calms her down and then ties around. And then he yeah does the thing. And yeah. Uh, so how does, how does she come out of the silk thing? Does he untie it's her? Not, it's, it's not really tight. It's just like so so she can't eat him in the second he In this, does. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so interesting. Okay, so how long does it take for till you see to I guess for her to build an egg sac? And then do you leave the egg sac in there or are you pulling it out and, and raising the baby separately? Uh yeah, that's a, a, a big question. Um yeah. It depends. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, but uh, that's uh, a big topic here in the in the in the hobby in general. Um, if you pull XX or not. But um, uh, okay, I have a German podcast, and my first episode was just about this topic: to pull the XX or not to pull. Not to pull. And, okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, the time it depends on the temperature. Um, with most species I uh, bred yet of the the families Sparacidae and uh, Ctinidae, it took around four to six weeks in in winter six weeks you have to know i'm i still live at my parents home because i'm only 20 uh, 20 years old and i keep everything in my my own bedroom so it's not a raptor room or something like that it's really uh yeah i can't have it yet yeah. 28 degrees all the time here because I, I sleep in here you're right um, so you keep it at like you keep all the species at room temperature then that's actually probably a good question yeah, to cover yeah. About. yeah. And, um, of course i i look that's not too cold but in in winter i would say it's around 22 degrees celsius in here and at night around 19 and okay. um, even in the winter time i had successful xx that hatched after oh no that 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 were built after five or six weeks and then they it took another uh, four to six weeks to hatch, depending on the species and the condition of the egg sac. And um, yeah, with with the genus Heteropoda, so these are huntsman spiders. It's really interesting because normally when you got a um, a genus or a whole family, uh, they always build the same kind of egg sacs. Okay. For example, tarantulas. There are many subfamilies and many many genera of tarantulas, and they they own. There are only like two types of XX. And um, with Heteropoda, in this one genus, there are several types of XX. For example, um, Heteropoda lunula. Um, if you want, I can I can write you that name because these are really beautiful if you want to look them up. Yeah, I can put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, give me a second. I will write that name. Are you texting it to me? Yep. Okay. And okay. yeah, these, for example, they... Um, glue the exec to a to a surface until it attaches it, it attaches and they they stay on the exec the whole time so the exec is glued to a surface and they stay on it the whole time heteropoda boy for example they uh, oh these are gorgeous yes these are how, one of the most beautiful uh spiders out there how so just just my attempt at saying it just for the people not watching if you want to google it um heteropoda lun lunula Lunula. Yes, yes. So this is this will be one of them. Is that am I right here? Uh, yes. Okay. These these colors they look kind of dull because maybe these are old old animals, old pictures or something. Oh, like this that. is dull. Are they brighter yes. than this? Wow. Yes. The the these are the females. The males are yeah nearly white. Yes. That's that's a good photo of them. Yeah, they are really beautiful. 
Wow. How big, how big are we? How big is this? Um, leg span or body length? I know you you the American keepers, they always use leg span as, as size reference. In, in Europe, you just use the body length. I would say in, in leg span, they get around 12 to 14 centimeters and body length around three centimeters. Centimeters. So yes, they're like centimeters. they're like this big. No, just just the body. Um, the with legs, they are like. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. So I guess they. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they. Spread yeah. Up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, with this species, my my whole if you want so career in the hobby started because I was pretty successful breeding these and um, yeah, could trade uh, with with other people for a lot of new species or I could get some some money for feeders. Um, selling those to the online shops in Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if, if these are even available here, if something, I, I, I very recently started getting into like the tarantulas and inverse. So I don't, I'm not too well versed with them, but I've only ever seen, um, uh, there's only two people here that I can think of that are keeping spiders that aren't tarantulas. I'm sure there's a lot more just off the top of my head. Um, and I don't know if what they're keeping are, I wrote it down so I can try to remember them's my morph species or the true spiders ones. So I, I don't know. I don't even know if like the true spiders or, or anything that beautiful is yeah, even. They are, in the, they are in the U S hobby. I don't know about Canada. Um, yeah, but I, I think they are, they should be in the Canadian hobby, but, um, not not as many as here in Europe, and even here in Europe, it, they started to to vanish um, because, yeah, many people didn't have success with raising raising these. Um, I had like five XX of them and uh, distributed them all over over the hobby. Okay. And, um, yeah, now some friends of mine are looking for for males, uh, but they can't find any, and I don't have them anymore because I um, yeah shifted more into scorpions because I can. Yeah, work with them a bit more scientifically. And um, yeah, I shifted more into scorpions and all of that. And I don't have that many true spiders anymore. But um, yeah, these these got sadly got a bit rare here too. I, I know what you mean. So, sort of, sometimes there's like these trends in the hobby with specific species where somebody, you know, like, you, like you're saying, you bred five egg sacs, you distributed them, everyone had them, and then slowly they start dying off until one person kind of redoes that, that yeah. big boom again. Um, but maybe let's jump back a couple of seconds before we dive into the scorpions, which I guess is what we're really here for. But um, uh, the the you said different types of egg sacs, and then I sort of slowly started googling, and and I I, yeah. I wasn't like hundred percent sure if I heard you right. These types of spiders stick their egg sacs to something. Yes, this uh, this particular species, Heteropoda lunula, they um, stick their egg sac to a to a surface like a vertical cork bark. And um, they guard it. They sit on it the whole time until it hatches. And um, for example, Heteropoda boi, which is uh, yeah related, it's the same genus. They start like that. They stick their exec to a vertical cork bug too. But after a few weeks, they start to carry it around. And a third species I bred, Heteropoda venatoria, they carry it around from the beginning. So it's it's really interesting to see. They're that carrying the cork bark around. No, no, the exec, just the oh, the exec. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so it's really interesting to see that diversity of different strategies uh, of exec building and and 
guarding if you want in this Absolutely. one genus and this is just one genus and that's so cool about true spiders you have like there are no limits regarding size hunting strategy coloration form there there's a spider for everything that's that's really interesting okay so sorry I'm, I'm 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 maybe sticking to this too long but this is fascinating to me so um i'm assuming that if they're sticking them or if they're guarding them or they're doing one of the other forms of egg uh, egg sacs it's very hard or probably impossible to pull them in the in these terms right you have to let them raise them themselves yeah, it's, it's a bit hard but um it should be done because if you have like if you keep them in a normal um, enclosure with ventilation uh, the babies hold, will get out of the ventilation yes yes they are they are like they are the size That's exactly of where i was going with this get yeah. out and you you don't want like 500 huntsman spiders running around your house no and, for sure <laughs> yes and um yeah pulling the exec is sometimes easy depending on the species depending on the on the individual because sometimes you have to really fight the female and you would be surprised how strong a spider can pull i mean i have the these normal of war with a spider yes yes i have these <laughs> normal sized big trees as many people use for snake feeding or stuff like that too and um i i pulled the exec because you have uh, you have to pull carefully so it don't rip up uh, but with a strength too and the the mom is pulling it back and she's pulling the whole tweezer with my hand on it and it's yeah really cool it's, it's, so it's fun cool. it can be uh intimidating if you do it the first time but after a while it, it's just fun and then i incubated the exec in yeah in a self-made incubator i just uh, fill up one of these one of these uh, uh, uh five liter boxes uh with oh, like there we go yes one of these five liter boxes with um yeah, moist substrate like sand or um it's not just clay but uh, the, the the stuff you use as drainage in in rainforest enclosures okay like a, a hydro balls or a leaker balls yes, or whatever yes, yes. Like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Good. and um then you put the the exec in a in a smaller box with dry paper towel and it's important that the exec lays on dry paper towel but the air humidity is really high, high. and um with that you can incubate many 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 species of spiders i had success with it with different families and and yeah works good and it's way way less work than separating them if they already hatched in the mom's enclosure yeah i'm sure and then once they do hatch you have to separate every single baby into a different enclosure um you don't have to because you don't need 400 slings or stuff like right. that right um i when you I let start, some of them eat each other uh, yes yes of course because yeah. then you can uh i made the observation that um if you separate in the whole exec directly um the percentage of specimens that die is much higher if if you then if you just keep them in groups and separate them after uh, two weeks or six weeks or something like that so it's really beneficial for them to to grow up in groups because you have stronger and uh, faster growing and larger individuals if you raise them in groups and then you don't have the problem of hundreds of hundreds of slings uh, 
yeah yeah and it's really, it's, it can be really time intensive to to feed them because at some point you have to separate them because in a box like this if you put in yeah 40 huntsman slings that are fruit fly size after a month or after two months there only will be 10 or five left of them so yeah you have to separate them and it can be really time intensive to feed a couple of hundreds maybe even thousand slings in these small small enclosures and have to drop a fruit one fruit fly in each and uh, yeah i was lucky after after i finished uh, school i had like yeah a bit of free time before i started uh, studying uh, biology um and in this free time i could just focus on on breeding and, and selling stuff and stuff like that. And now I shifted to scorpions because scorpions are a lot easier to work with. They're, the clutches are small numbers. Um, they can't run fast. They can't run up uh, glass or something like that. So yeah, I shifted more into the scorpions because of the easiness. Awesome. Okay. So maybe we'll also shift into the scorpions. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so you mentioned earlier, something about um you can also work with the scorpions more scientifically as well what do you mean by that um i'm really interested in the in one subfamily of scorpions that is called oiscorpiine so uh, when you look at the name oiscorpios for example which is one genus in this family um you can see oi scorpios it's kind of means european scorpion okay and um these little scorpions of this subfamily they are distributed not really all over Europe, but in the southern parts of Europe. And the northernmost species, they even occur in, in Austria or Switzerland in the Alps. And when you think of scorpions, what do you think of? You think of South Africa. Um, yeah, deserts, Asia. hot. Yeah. Yes. But um, yeah, even in the in the Alps, for example, are, are scorpions. And um, there are over 90 species in the subfamily um, and four different genera. And I really started to to look into them just out of fun because I, I kept some species. And um, for example, when, when friends of mine or, or hobby friends of mine were on holiday in Croatia, they, they said, yeah, okay, um, Scorpius tagestinos are like under every stone. They are in the in the um, apartment here. Um, if you want, I, I can bring you some of them. Wow. And, um, yeah, then it, the, the collection started and I started to, to read papers and I really wanted to know more about the ecology of them because the only stuff I could find was taxonomic stuff, which is really interesting too. But um, I really wanted to, to, to look into, into the ecology more because there's a, an Oiscorpius or Alpiscorpius for every, for every niche. There are some species that live in... Um, yeah, in the in the mountains in in northern Italy or Austria, there are species that only live in one cave in in Greece. There are species that need it more dry. There are species that really need the humidity. And um, yeah, really really started to to dig into that. And um, yeah, then I I was on the spider expo in 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 Weinstadt. So this this expo in Germany is just for spiders. I think it's. It's mainly tarantulas, um, sadly, but uh, or unfortunate, unfortunately, um, but it's it's the whole arachnid community is there, and um, there's this this one guy, um, Pete, Doctor Peter Jäger, um, 
or just Peter, and he is a famous German archaeologist, and he described over, I think, over 400, 500 new species, and he's really, he's really a really cool guy when it comes to spiders. And I have to get uh, to get a bit more specific. I have to have to take a deep dive in this story to explain how I got into Yeah, it. no, go ahead, go ahead. This is fascinating. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I was 14 or 15, I, I wrote Peter an email because I had a question about the spider he described. And um, yeah, then we, we emailed back and forth and I asked him, how do you went from, a, from studying biology to be an arachnologist? And he said, yeah, it's co too complicated to... Um, to talk about that in email, just just phone me and gave me his phone number, and then we we talked on the phone, and then he said at the end of the of the phone call, if you want, you can uh, you can visit me at my office here in the in the Senckenberg uh, Museum in in Frankfurt in Germany, and yeah, I was very happy about that, and my father and I drove down there, and um, yeah, we were in this office of Peter, and you have to know this this guy, he he discovered the the largest spider species of of the of the planet the heteropoda maxima with a leg span of over 30 centimeters and as a kid i watched the documentation where he went into the into the caves in laos and found um this this spider and when i was sitting in his office he had like this this spider he collected on television he had this spider framed up uh, behind his behind his desk and this the spider i saw as a little kid on television was just there in the office by the guy who described Full circle his, Yes, and that's that was crazy. So cool, and Peter is such a cool and fun and really nice guy, and he's always uh, empowering young people um, with their passion. Uh, and then, in, in years later, in the in the Weinstadt Expo, um, we already became friends over the years. He uh, we talked about Scorpius, and he said, "Yeah, Hannes, I know uh, you are pretty into these European scorpions. We have the whole collection from our museum here, but there aren't any. They they are not identified. Uh, can you do that for us?" And I was, yeah, yeah, because uh, this this was an opportunity to to work uh, taxonomically with the, this the the genus which I liked the most, and uh, I read all the papers before, and I was always doing this this hobby taxonomy on them. When I got an undescribed species from anyone, I was looking looking under um, under the binoculars, counting the hairs, and comparing it in papers, and uh, wow. yeah. So now I have the opportunity to um, ID the whole collection of this subfamily for one of the largest natural history museums in, in Europe and one of the oldest. And this is this is really cool. I feel really honored by that. It's not that complicated as you may think and not that not that hard. I just compare papers and have a um, yeah, not microscope, but binocular at home and um, yeah. Just counting, counting trichobotria. So, but binoculars, like the ones, I, I think yeah, you do yeah, mean I, I show you it's microscope. It's, it think. looks like a microscope, but a microscope, at least in in German, we have a diff, different word for it because okay. microscope, it's like, it's the the this it shows the cells and really 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 small stuff. Right. Okay. okay. Binocular is I know binoculars are, are these in English. Yeah. But binocular in in German it means like microscope that's not that deep. I mean you can you can see yeah, yeah, not as many not as strong. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and um, yeah, and then I, I I looked more into taxonomic papers and now I'm really I think I I know most of these papers on Oiscorpius and Alpiscorpius and all that other stuff that are published and I always 
gets sent by friends uh, when there's a new paper on these published. And um, I have one particular friend, uh, shout out to, to Mario at this place. Um, he's my age and we just randomly met over Instagram and he is as much into these really niche scorpions as I am. And he is, awesome. um, yeah. And he's also a really, he would be a, a really good guest for you because uh, his father is the, or was a, director of hepatology in a in the in a zoo in croatia and they keep wow. all kinds of um of monitors at their home they have a huge experience with field herping and monitors and all that stuff so um yeah i can if you want i can send you his his instagram profile later. yeah yeah if you can get us in contact that'd be awesome for and, sure and yeah. um, because of him um, i always had a well i always have a friend to to talk about these these weird little scorpions from europe and we are always reading papers and comparing um, field uh, data that we self-collected in Italy or Greece or stuff like that. And um, yeah, we always trade offspring and, and stuff like that. And yeah, the, the peak of the whole Oiscorpius thing was that um, Peter, so the, the, the science guy, um, invited me to the arachnological um, symposium this year in, in Frankfurt. And um, he was a few weeks earlier. He was here in Germany in my city because he was uh, filmed for for a spider documentary, and we went out drinking. And um, a few beers deep into the the drinking, he um, yeah talked me into having a scientific uh, presentation at this arachnological symposium, and I said yes because I was you know, I was drunk. And, <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I, I had to help the the presentation, and there were people with real, uh, yeah titles like like doctor something and they had really good presentations and i was just showing the taxonomic uh, the taxonomy and distribution of these different oscorpio species and it was just like phone pics from my last holiday in italy and stuff like that but yeah it, it turned out to be really funny and a lot of people liked it because it was the only scorpion presentation in the in the spiders in the spider world um but yeah that's that's what i mean by more scientifically i mean yeah. i paid for it and it's not like my job but it's uh hobby science yeah hobby science is a good word for it for example i i've found out something with mario that um yeah at my knowledge no one saw before uh, we found out that you can um identify the 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 groups if you look at the the babies on the mother's back and one in, in the first Insta because on, on certain groups, they have certain colors that other groups don't have. And taxonomically, everyone just looks at the dead adult specimens, but nobody looks into the, the whole life cycle and the ecology right. of that. And uh, that's what interests me the most. Yeah. Sorry for, for diving too deep in maybe or talking too long. But, no, uh, yeah. no, not at all. No, that's also, I, I'm actually going to make you talk about it longer. This is super interesting. Okay, so... Um, so maybe actually first of all why don't you give the museum that you're doing this for a shout out as well if you want i don't know like if, if it ma matters yeah, or where we're the, yeah Zink, uh, the the Senckenberg museum in frankfurt and especially shout out to peter jäger um thank you for this great opportunity um <laughs> yeah, this is really cool that, that's awesome okay so so you went from doing only the i'm gonna butcher this only doing the euro euroscorp Bina, uh genus and now you're basically doing everything in the or all the scorpions in the museum uh no 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 just just this this subfamily i'm just, just okay this is this is just uh i i, I mean I, I know some other scorpion 
taxonomy taxonomy too but uh, this is my 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 focus um i keep and breed around 20 species of this uh this subfamily so this um back in the day everything in this subfamily was oiscorpius one genus and i think in yeah, Birula, this one, one guy from France, I think, or something like that. Uh, in 1917, he he said, yeah, hmm, maybe that's not all one genus. It's Alpiscorpius uh, and Polytrichobotrius and Tetratrichobotrius too. But everyone said, ah, hmm, no, this is just subgenus level. And, and then when the whole uh, genetic uh, research thing popped up in 1999, I think the, the first subgenus was elevated to genus level and now they are splitting them all up back in the day they were like 10 species now there are 90 species wow wow okay so before we talk about the ones you're keeping and breeding them and and all that kind of stuff why don't you give me one or two species names for me to look up as well just so we can kind of see what they look like um, um or two yeah. of them or more common ones or two of the prettier ones or, or whatever up to you um, yeah. just kind of get a general idea of how different they look from the scorpions yeah. that we're used to seeing. Okay, they are really small. And the problem is because of the whole taxonomic revision, if you Google a name, it's usually always it's out of the pool of the 30 pictures of that one species that There's, pops up. So right. it's um hmm, hmm. hard to see hard to see which one or what it would look okay. like or what yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I will I will write you some names and uh Maybe later, if you want, I can send you more more pictures on on WhatsApp or stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Boy yeah. Scorpius. I I will just send you some some genus names first. But they 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 nearly all look the same. If you don't know, and if you are not into scorpions, they all look the same. They're all brownish, blackish, and some of them have yellow legs. Some of them have more and grayish legs, and uh, you. I, I mean, you can. ID them with counting the hairs on the on the pedipalps. So it's it's. Is that the only difference between them? Uh, no, there are um, many stuff plays into that. You have to look at uh, geography. You have to look at the history of the geography. Like was there um, is was there a river like ten thousand years ago in this area? Uh, you have to look at the you the, the hairs are the main criteria. The hairs on the pedipalps the the yep the the, yeah um, yeah the, the hairs on on that are the main thing and the hairs on the patella the patella is uh yeah the one one part of the arm and um, you count those hairs and then scorpions have uh pectinal teeth these are on the on the ventral side on the on the bottom side of the scorpion and with these uh teeth teeth in question marks is um they use it to to smell prey or a female or a male and yeah by counting those pectinal teeth the hairs um the coloration the granulation on the body segments the geography the genetics yeah by by those those six things are the the main taxonomic stuff and you have all merged it together and then you can id them <laughs> Yeah, and and you're doing this obviously on like not live specimens, correct? Uh, yes, it's it's pretty hard with live specimens. Yeah. Because, um, you can do it, um, but not on a really 
I mean, if you have like only two species that that can be it, you can do it on a live specimen. But if you have, for example, something from Italy and you don't know what it is and where it's from exactly, it's really hard because alone in Italy there are twenty eight species of them. And um, yeah, so when when they are alive, you wow. can. Um, I don't know. Do you have these these cricket boxes in, in Canada? Yeah, yeah, we have similar something similar. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and you can critter like, keepers uh, or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you can put the scorpion in, put another box on top, turn it around, and then you can count the 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 uh, hairs on the bottom side. That's Rhipobotria. The the hairs um, that I mean are not normal hairs that the scorpion has. It also has some normal hairs, but uh, these are Trichobotria or Trichobotria in English, and these are hairs that can sense air movement and the, okay. the placement so the number of these hairs and the the placement of them that's that's what's important and the the bad thing is that it can even um vary in in one species so you have usually you have to look at 10 specimens of one species of one location to say okay i'm sure that is this species or that species you can't just look at one one scorpion and say, oh, okay, that's Euscorpius irimanticus because the, the hairs are kind of fitting. You have to look at a bunch of, of specimens and that is way easier with dead specimens in, in alcohol. Okay, awesome. All right, so I've pulled up um, this guy over here. Does that look yeah. That's what most, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a cool species, Euscorpius candiota. That's actually the first scorpion species I found in the wild. That that species is endemic to uh, the island of Crete in Greece. And yeah, really cool species. They are more like, more yellowish. I mean, they can very much uh, vary too. Some of them are darker um, some of them are more yellowish. And I think most of the pictures are not even this species, uh, but they are yeah. more more yellowish and um yeah cool species i i will never forget that i, I found them on my on my first trip to the to a, a country which has scorpions or to to a warmer country in general when i was a kid i always made vacation in the netherlands and in austria and even though there are some scorpion species in austria they are more in the southeast and i was never there i was just yeah used no. to, to not finding herbs or, or scorpions or stuff like that in general on my holiday and last year i went to crete with my father and um after three days of turning around stones and finding nothing really nothing uh, one day we um hiked up to that so to a kind of waterfall and um it was in the in the middle of summer and everything was completely dry that's why i didn't found anything in the first days but at this waterfall there was like a really really small forest and um the first rock i turned around there there was one one female of oscorpius candiota and that moment that was kind of a turning point in my life i think when i, I found this 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 scorpion this this animal I only knew from my from my terrariums. I only knew from books. I, I found it in the wild, and it occurs there normally. And this was this was one of the greatest moments in my in my whole herping going outdoor life. I'm sure that's absolutely awesome for sure. 
And then, okay, so so this picture here is going to bring me to my next question and probably to your collection of breeding. Oh, that's from Mark Stockman, yeah. He's a really good scorpion breeder. Okay, cool. Who who are, oh, I guess you recognize the name of the model. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is obviously a scorpion with babies on its back for those of you not, not uh, watching, only listening. The first question I have is, do all scorpions breed like this? Is just is this just yes. how they have the yes. baby? Okay, so they always will have the babies on the back. Yeah. Okay. Can you... Well, I'll get rid of this. Can you break down... Um, are, first of all, all the spe uh, species you're currently keeping... Um, you said you're keeping something around 20 species. Are they all from that... Um, same euro euro score euro scorpia i keep uh, i keep around 20 species of that subfamily and then i keep some other species of other families too so in total I, i'd say i have yeah I, not as as much as last year but i think around 30 maybe 35 species of scorpions here awesome okay and then so can you maybe walk us through the breeding process how you pair them that kind of stuff um with many scorpions females can um yeah um save the the sperm retain sperm for, yes retain yeah for a long time and with this particular uh, subfamily i'm working with oiscorpine um if you get any any wild caught uh, ones of them they give birth I would say at a 90% rate. So the wild caught ones, they are always paired up already and they, they're gonna drop a clutch one time a, a, in a year. And um, with other species or stuff that's not wild caught and you raise it, you just, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the, the same with the spiders. The female has to be in the enclosure for, uh, yeah, it doesn't has to be, it's, it's not that ex uh, important as with spiders, but it's beneficial when the female is, is living is in this enclosure for uh, like one week or a few days because then the when you drop the male in his uh, pectines on his uh, bottom half they they go from this like this and he scans the female scans and then he with for example oiscorpius he starts uh, ticking with his tail and walking up to the female and then he grabs the female with his um, pedipalps with his uh, tongues i don't know interest tongues yeah yeah uh, yeah and uh, then they start to do this mating dance. Uh, can take five minutes, can take five hours, um, wow. depending on the species, depending on the individual. Um, and then the that's where the interesting part happens. Um, the male searches for a surface that is um, hard enough for him to place his uh, spermatophore. A spermatophore is a mix of um, chitin. Uh, is that the right English word? Kitin, the stuff that's around bugs, exoskeleton is made of that. Okay. Uh, uh, um, ch chitin. Ch yes, chitin. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, a spermatophore is made of chitin and it has a sperm drop at the end and the, the, the male lays it on the ground. So the, the spermatophore made out of chitin and sperm is standing up like that. And then he pulls the female over it okay. and with in the same move where he pulls it, it something gets triggered and the, the sperm is in the female and then the mating is over. Then they leave leave, and the mating is over. And with scorpions, uh, the interesting thing is that they can really take a long time to, to give birth. For example, these small species 
or Scorpius, they drop a clutch like one time a year, I would say, and they need, depending on the species, I, I heard of other cases too, but um, yeah, mostly they take around nine to 12 months to drop a clutch. After pairing? After pairing, yes. Wow. And they, they always can um, um, cancel the, the, the pregnancy if you want. So if their conditions are not right, if they're not getting enough food, which is never the case in scorpions because they can they can live without food for, for months and be fine. But if they if it's too dry, if it's too cold, they can just uh, yeah, cancel the whole um, gravity thing. Not not gravity, uh, pregnancy. Yeah, like, like being and, gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, and um, yeah. But if if everything is all right with Oscorpius, you have babies like after a year with other species for, from other families. For example, for example, Barbicurus Jacksoni, they can they excuse me. They only take uh, three or four months, I think. So depending on the the species, it's different. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so how does it work so are they like i this this might sound so stupid how, are, are they just coming out of the back or, or is she laying um, them and putting them on her back or like so when, when you turn the scorpion around you have um yeah in the in the upper part of the of the body you find these two pectines i talked about earlier and between those 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 pectines um or these pectinal teeth i maybe wait i, I will i will write it so you can Google it and have a better picture. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a bad idea, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, between these two pectine teeth, uh, you can you can see like the 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 opening where the the, the babies come out and where the uh, sperm comes in. And um, yeah, the babies are birthed out of that uh, opening. And some species of scorpions they they uh, form like a little um, basket with their first pair of legs and um, the babies can then crawl from the legs on her back. And uh, yes, you, that, that picture maybe, just pick one, yeah. And there you can see the, the pectines and in the middle of the, the pectine teeth, um, yeah, you can see the, the, the opening where the babies come out. Okay, so it's not like those frogs where they're like laid on their backs. Or um, like the <laughs> uh, I think Pipa Pipa is the species. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, the babies come out there, and then the babies are what we call in the hobby uh, is first insta. So in first insta, they are uh, they don't eat anything. They um, yeah, they can't really move. They are more more fat and clumsy, and they don't. They, I mean, they kind of look like a real scorpion, but they are. Yeah, they are they are much much cuter much uh, more 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 they look like glow in the dark toys yes yes <laughs> um and when they mold in insta2 with many species they they leave then for example um or scorpius after nine uh, now depending on the species after seven to ten days Every everybody molted from Insta One into Insta Two, and the day they molt in Insta Two, they are leaving their mom. Okay. Other species maybe stay on their mom even if they are Insta Three, so one one uh, mold further. Some species they they stay on the mom for a bit longer, and um, 
the time they're staying on the mom's back is really depending on the on the species on the genus on the on the family it's you can't say that for all um and even with some species you may know it the, the emperor scorpion the pandinos uh, imperator yes that's um, one of the ones we have here that's one, yeah, one, the, one of the ones you see in the hobby frequently here yes the the big ones from from africa and um there are records of um clutches living with their mom together for years in the in the wild so when when people are looking for ball pythons or stuff like that in africa they dig up uh, some some burrows and often you find like one big female and different sized smaller scorpions that are maybe months maybe years old living into in their mom's burrow too with that wow. particular species and pretty interesting because when you think of arachnids you don't think about carrying moms but um, yeah, yeah for example yeah. when a when a scorpion drops off her back she gently uh, takes it with her pinches and put it back up and it's so cool to see do you separate them at the second instar once they leave the mom for the species um, you work with mm, as always depending on the species for a scorpius mm, i'm kind of trying out some different methods now because raising or scorpios i mean keeping and breeding them really easy raising them to from from institute to adulthood a bit harder a little harder okay yeah because they they i think this is the the whole european climate thing because they are they needed kind of moist but not too moist and they i think uh, um a brumation is really beneficial for them so and in winter i, I put everything in the basement and um yeah but i think with many species it's better to separate them um other species need to be kept in groups first for example i had lucia scutilus these are um butide from from thailand um and uh, i think the english name is, is thailand bark scorpion and um I, I had a clutch of these and when they left their mom i separated them and everything out of that clutch died in a matter of four weeks wow. and the next clutch i um yeah i put in a, the whole clutch of 18 animals i put them in a, in a box which was full of cork i mean like 20 pieces of cork bark over there they much hiding spaces much food in there but all the 18 little scorpions they were sitting on one pile under one cork bark um, until they molted into insta3 and when they were insta3 they kind of started separating each other and went to different heights. And then I separated them and then I had great success with raising them. But they, I don't know why, but when they first left their mother in Insta2, they kind of needed that that one that one pile of each other. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why, uh, but yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff you, you learn from mistakes. So for sure, it's I wonder if it's like a stress thing, if they feel less stressed when there's a bunch of them together rather than if they're on their own, they just immediately stress. I, I, not that I would know. That's just, that's that's super interesting. You just mentioned you move them to the basement for brumation. Uh, yeah. Can you talk about the brumation process a little bit? So, do you do you leave them alone? Are you still feeding them over that? How cold does the basement get? Um, um, yeah, it depends on the winter uh, temperature. I'm sorry if I don't uh, if I always say it depends. It depends. No, it's it, it, biology. It, it, depends always it, always uh, no for sure and, and you're working with so many different like it's not we're not just talking about like yeah yeah it's every everything is different so many different like little subspecies or species or whatever anyway yeah. sorry go ahead yeah 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 and um the basement is around um, i would say 
8 to 12 degrees, more like 12. Mm, yeah, depending on the winter, if it's like minus 10 outside, it's more more like 8 degrees. But it's when it's uh, over over zero, it's 12, around 12 to 15 degrees. So how and cold are you going before you're like, this is too cold? Mm, with uh, Oiscorpius, doesn't matter, I would say, because, um, yeah, okay. If you look at Oiscorpius candiota, for example, from from Crete, it doesn't really get that cold on Crete. I mean, it get cold, it gets cold in the winter, but only like maybe five, eight, ten degrees. But if you look at the species from the Alps in Austria or Switzerland, they easily have below zero with snow right. and everything, so that doesn't matter. Um, I made an interesting observation uh, with the, the alpine species. I have uh, Alpiscorpius germanus and Alpiscorpius alpha. And back in the day, they were counted as one species, and then they were split because on one side of a river in Austria, you fi only find uh, in Italy, you only find germanus, and on the other side of the river, you only find alpha. And they are separated by the river, um, but the, the habitats are the same. The climate is pretty much the same. And the, the Germanus, they were really inactive. They were just sitting around, roommating and not looking for food. They were just sitting around and were not moving at all in the basement. And the, the Alpha, this a bit smaller species, but from yeah, nearly the same climate, same habitat, um, they were moving around like crazy. They were doing better than in the summer in my room. So um, they prefer still, yeah, still experimenting with that. And um, if you keep them solitary in the basement in small small containers, I would say uh, feeding them is yeah it's not always that necessary when you have some isopods in there. I have isopods in nearly every enclosure I have just okay. because of the, the the cleaning is much easier. Yeah, and um, Scorpios they they love isopods in nature. They they primarily feed on isopods and stuff like that. So. You can always keep some in there, and um, with with solitary house animals, it's not so important to feed them over the bromation. But with um, with groups, if you have like um, yeah, bigger groups of them, I currently trying stuff out to to keep them in like these big boxes, 50, 60 liters. Um, the bottom is filled with with substrate and leaf litter for the for the small ones to hide, and then I just put in a whole pile of stones, um, like you would find them in the nature. And then I put in different sized animals, like one male, three females, one one or two juveniles, and the whole clutch of, of E2 slings. And um, yeah, if you, you do that and put them in the basement, I would say you have to throw some crickets in every every two weeks, I would say. Yeah, just so they don't start eating each other kind of thing. Yeah, and the Scorpios really like to to eat each other. Um, doesn't matter how how good you feed them and how long it went good together, but at some at some point, if you forget to feed for some weeks, they normally wouldn't starve, but they 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 just go around looking for food and they find a smaller or even a same size individual and they eat it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some species of Scorpios can be kept together better than other species but i would for breeding and, and raising and stuff i would more recommend solitary housing yeah are they more of a it's because they come from europe so i guess i don't know are they more of like uh they prefer higher humidity 
cooler temperatures rather than like some of the scorpions that are like yes. people are keeping desert like sort of yeah, heat yeah, and sound and nothing else yeah okay. um yeah <laughs> it's always depending on the species of course but for sure uh, yeah, yeah in general uh, they they need higher humidity mm. i keep um Euridae too. This is another family from uh, Europe, but it's more like in just in, in Greece and then it starts uh, in, in Turkey too. So um, far, far east, southeast Europe. And yeah. these are the biggest scorpions we, we can find here in Europe um, with lengths up to 10 centimeters or even a bit more, I think. And um, they like it a bit more humid and, and colder too, but um, it's it's diff it's, it's it's difficult to explain for me in English right now, but um, <laughs> yeah. they they the stones they are hiding under it's it's humid under the stones, but the the general um, habitat it's it's not so humid it's it's not completely desert dry but it's m more arid than than under the stone, and that's the important thing when it comes to to in to inverts uh, you have to look at the microclimates microclimates yeah yeah i mean that's the important thing with reptiles uh, uh, too but um yeah the the most classic thing is people see something comes from africa and they already assume oh okay it's a desert species because yeah. africa is just full of deserts and savannas yeah um, yeah but we have to consider that the animals we keep in captivity here they sometimes live under stones that are bigger than than the whole enclosure never so, putting them in right yeah yeah it's it's sometimes hard to to mimic that exact humidity but over the years you get a like a feeling for that and uh yeah then it's then it's nicer but back to your question um yeah the most of the european scorpions they are more humid living there are some more arid ones for example the genus Egeobutus, as the name says they occur in the aegean sea in, in Greece and, and uh, Turkey and they live in the habitats where the Scorpios and the Euros don't live more the, the the sandy dunes the more drier more hotter habitats sometimes you you find them overlapping but um yeah there's a there's a scorpion for every for every habitat in southern Europe yeah that's awesome are there any communal species of scorpion uh, yes there are um Titius uh, stigmurus, for example, is the most classic one. These are also uh, pathogenic, so you just, it's, it's like morning geckos. You just start with like three and over a few years, you have a big, big colony. Oh, yeah. um, there are many scorpions that you can keep together. They are not really communally because they don't interact with each other. But they they don't mind so you can often keep them together if you feed them enough they really don't don't bother each other and sometimes sit under the same same lock um i saw that uh, behavior more into the family of butide um but i have to say i never keep the the classic arid ones i mean the the classic hobby scorpions if it's not like the the big like humid living ones it's always the androctonus leurus and the the high potent venom desert stuff i never kept the, kept those because um i focus more on the humid and cooler living species uh, because the desert ones they don't do good in my in my bedroom it's too maybe too humid because of all the humid enclosures and it's not hot enough and um, that's why i never have experience with the desert species so i can't talk about that but many species of this family butida they 
the, the human living species of this family, they uh, don't bother each other so much. You can raise them together, you can keep them together okay. as adults. I think when you have offspring and you have them in all together in a big enclosure, sometimes the adult ones, they will pick on the, the smaller ones, but yeah, they are more communally than the European ones or the, the Oiscorpius. Right. And then, and then you said when, when you mentioned Tituris, uh, you mentioned it being super potent. Is that more potent than like the average European one? Yes, definitely. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the Oiscorpius, for example, they can't even get through your skin all the time. So they <laughs> they don't really try to sting you. I mean, I when I was in Greece or Italy, I caught them with my hand or when I have to do something here, I normally just pick them up and they do do anything. Some species are more feisty than others. And that's quite funny because when a scorpion is like this big and like stinging around, it's it's pretty funny to watch. But um, yeah, the the Titius, they are more potent. I once kept uh, Titius smiti back when it was legal in my state. And, and they really were angry when you not angry, angry is the wrong word for describing an animal. Um, they were more defensive. defensive um, yeah. they, they, were, they were totally crazy about food. When you throw a few crickets in, they had like one cricket in their mouth, one cricket in their right uh, pincher, one in their left, and they were still going for a fourth one. Going for it, yeah. When you pick up the, the cork bark uh, with, with your tweezer, they always got straight into defense pose and uh, yeah. Like like the scorpion on your cap, it's it's in defense pose. It has a, the the stinger right up and is uh, ready to to sting. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I actually kept um, Tituris, not Smitty, uh, the Sigmurus. Sigmurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for a brief period, but it also didn't really work out with my room temperatures and stuff here. Um, so I no longer have that scorpion. It's the only scorpion I ever kept. But one day I, I do I do think I, I would like to get into the scorpion hobby. That's it's super fascinating for sure. You'll have to send me some European scorpions up here. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that's possible one day. I, I think there's there are one or two guys in Germany that uh, do big exports. Um, I once shipped Oiscorpius to China, um, but that was just because because I. Uh, yeah, I, I know I knew the guy and um, he was a friend of a friend who who, had, who has all the legal permits and stuff. So that worked out. And um, yeah, I think you you don't have any US Scorpios or the whole European Scorpions in the American or the Canadian hobby. There. I don't think we do. Yeah. And you're missing out on the big ones. I mean, Scorpios, maybe they are boring. Maybe not. Every every avid scorpion keeper always uh, blames the scorpions for being boring and just brown and small, but I really love them. But the yeah. big European ones like Eurus, Meta Eurus, Proto Eurus, uh, all that stuff, they, they are really cool. They are that big. You can see them at the evening climbing around the rock structures and uh, they, they look so cool and they are they are so calm. They are yeah, we don't see those. Pretty chill and uh, yeah. Yeah. No, we don't see those at all. But but awesome. Okay, so Hannes, I think that was absolutely incredible. There was so much awesome information in there. Um, yeah, man, thank you very much for coming on for doing this. This is this, this is a fascinating episode for sure. Uh, can you let everyone know where they can find you, keep up with you, and for any of the if there is anyone any listeners that do speak German, um, let them know what the podcast name is as well. 
Ah, okay. The, so the, the podcast name is uh, Atro Podcast, like Arthropod and then podcast. Okay. And um, my, my Instagram name is der underscore spinner. I think you should just write it in the caption. Um, yes, yes. It will definitely be in the show notes or somewhere. Yeah. It's actually a German play of words because um, a spinner is like a a crazy person and spinner is spider. So it's like a play of words, like crazy for spiders. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah Matt. Thank you very much for coming on and doing this. I think I'm going to be spending the rest of the day. I shouldn't be because I need to I have a lot of other things to do, but I think I'm going to be spending the rest of the day looking up scorpions and, and, um, true spiders. I took a bunch of notes down while, while you're talking, because I have all these things to look up now. Um, but yeah, man, once again, that was awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, and for everyone listening, thank you very much for listening. Go give Hannes a follow, go check out the podcast and, uh, yeah, thank you for watching. We will see you on the next one.